Welcome to Wonder Tour with Derek Cobb and Drew Perot, where we are learning leadership lessons from your favorite stories. Hi, I'm Brian Nutwell. And I'm Drew Perot. And we are on a journey to become better leaders by touring fantastic worlds and inspiring lore by going on a wonder tour. We connect leadership concepts to story context because it sticks to our brains better. You can find out more at wondertourpodcast.com. We're back with Hamilton Part 2, How to Build a Legacy. In Part 1, we talked about building a revolution and how to lead a revolution well from the perspective of Washington, Hamilton, Eliza. In Part 2, we want to dig into a key theme in the musical Hamilton, Legacy. We want to understand, is Legacy about a name? Or what is Legacy really about? Because as we see with Hamilton's theme of Rise Up, Hamilton is incredibly focused on his status, just like the country is. And throughout part one, and even into part two, Hamilton seems to be all about making his name great. He's learning from some great leaders around him, like Washington, and he is also learning from his foil character, Burr, what he doesn't want to be and who he doesn't want to be like. As we wrap up Act 2 of Hamilton, it's very overt that this is a musical about legacy. Every other Founding Father's story gets told. Every other Founding Father gets to grow old. This is Hamilton finally getting his story told. But in the spirit of understanding who lives, who dies, who tells your story, how can we learn what it means to leave a legacy, what it means to build something sustainable that can carry on after us? And does it really matter if it has our name attached to it? Welcome to Wonder Tour. All right, welcome back, everyone. This is Brian. I'm here with Drew once again. Part two of our Hamilton episodes, episode 99. So I want to start off with a little moment of lyrical brilliance. Drew loves talking about the concentric circles in, in the movies and stories we talk about. And they're in spades with Hamilton here. When we first meet Alexander Hamilton at the beginning, you know, one of the earliest scenes with him in Act One is the not throwing away my shot. The idea of he's going to run really hard at his opportunities. He, unlike Burr, who has a legacy to protect, who has a named family that he's got to not embarrass, Hamilton has nothing. He has no name. He has no reputation. He has nothing to lose. He's purely striving forward. And so he's always running really hard at these opportunities. And we see we saw him in Episode One in Act One sort of learning to zoom out and think about the big picture opportunities and not just today's obstacle. But the phrase throwing away your shot is actually a phrase from pistol dueling. And it was what we see later in this in the second act where Alexander teaches his son to point his gun in the air and just shoot at the sky. Don't shoot at your opponent. That would that would be enough to satisfy your honor. And that was called throwing away your shot. I didn't realize this until Hamilton. So they introduced that concept of don't throw away your shot. Take every opportunity that comes to you very early on in this story. And as a revolutionary, that's basically a valid strategy. If you're trying to blow up the system, if you're trying to take advantage of your scarce resources, if you're trying to build your name or build your opportunities to lead, you've got to capitalize on your opportunities. What we see in the second act, though, is there is sometimes wisdom in throwing away your shot, especially when that shot is at somebody that's on your team. When you're trying to build an organization, not just break down a structure, but then build it back up again, when you have people with different goals and different viewpoints sort of struggling and negotiating and trying to establish something together, that's not just about them, but that is a sustainable system, sniping at each other isn't necessarily the right strategy. So 
Alexander doesn't learn that for quite a while in the story. But one of these playbooks we're going to talk about now is this, you know, as you're trying to build the organization, as Washington is the he's the president and he's got both Hamilton and Jefferson on his cabinet and they don't agree on anything. And he's trying to figure out how to get those viewpoints together to build something that will outlast them. The throwing away your shot. You know, I'm got, I've got to win every encounter. I've got to capitalize on every opportunity. I've got to succeed in every endeavor can be a little bit counterproductive. It can be a little bit toxic inside an organization where you do actually need everyone to thrive, where you do actually need the best ideas from all corners. So what, what did you see here? What do you see in this kind of Alexander trying to adjust to life on the inside? Throwing away your shot theme is one of urgency. It's all about how Hamilton feels like you might not get another shot, so you have to take the one that you currently have. Like you said, which makes sense when you're an upstart. In that situation, big risks are warranted. We should always take those risks pretty much. When it's a time of transformation at a company, we need to lean our mindsets more towards the taking risks and away from the just keeping things the way that they are. Like you said, Brian, once something exists and once you have a system in place like we have in America that these guys all kind of set up, you have an opportunity not to leave that system in place forever, but to ebb and flow between that transformation revolutionary mindset and the sustainment mindset that's focused on making sure that something can exist beyond the current state that it's in. And I think the line between those two things is legacy, because a revolution is about creating a legacy. It is about creating something that can live on beyond ourselves for the good of other people, just like creating a sustainable system is all about legacy. It's about creating something that other people can stand on top of. It's like, okay, now I have this platform to build on. I don't have to start with the platform myself. I can start with the platform that somebody else has already created. So The understanding as a leader of when to take your shot and when to throw away your shot, I mean, I think that's something critical that we can learn here from Hamilton. Yeah, well, and I want to suggest, you know, and we talked about this a little bit with uh, with Washington's character already. Right. But, you know, I almost want to suggest, you know, the the distinction of when to take the shot and when not to is is as simple as not making it about you. Right. What we see here is these, you know, these. This line is in the context of dueling, right? These like one-on-one personal duels against somebody that's nominally on your side over a matter of somebody said mean words about somebody else. Like, it's never a good idea. It's never worth it, even if you win. Fortunately, we don't have duels to the death as a common thing anymore. Yay. But what, you know, kind of what they're showing us is that, you know, this is friendly fire. These are people that are trying to achieve the same thing you are with different ends or trying to thrive in the same society that you are with different ends. The idea that you have to win every conversation, that you have to win every interaction is something that Hamilton's very prone to. We see in the cabinet meetings, right, where he's I love it. Again, you know, we've got this we've got this whole hip hop culture sort of revolutionary vibe around this thing is we've got cabinet meetings framed as rap battles. So you got Jefferson and Hamilton sort of slinging insults as well as philosophical disagreements across each other. But Hamilton is it takes him a while to realize that just like just getting the last laugh, getting the mic drop moment at the end of the conversation is not the success that he's going after. Like that's not sufficient. 
And so once again, we get Washington has to kind of has to kind of force him into it. Right. He's like, that's an order. Get it done. Figure it out. Zoom out. The big picture is get the Treasury thing figured out. Get the get the bill through Congress. You don't have the votes. Find a way to get the votes. That's the North Star. The North Star is not I win or Jefferson loses. Right. The North Star is how do we both get something that we want so that this good thing that I see that could happen in the world can actually happen. Because otherwise, like winning the conversation doesn't get you anything. That's not a victory. So mm. it's like, which shot do you take and which shot do you throw away? Right. He throws away the I'm going to beat Jefferson shot so that he can go into the room where it happens and have an honest negotiation sort of out of the daylight. What are we really going to do here? Yeah, that's really good. I like that we've teased that out, trying to understand when to throw away your shot. And like you said, I think it is all about, you know, is this about me? And up until this point for Hamilton, it's almost always about him. We get that it's about the country and that it's about other people, that he's doing this for others. But it is about making his name great. It's so obvious, right? Why does he marry into the Schuyler family? I'm sure there's love there, but also it's because he needs his name to be great. He needs money in order to be able to accomplish the things he wants to accomplish. More than anything, he needs to fill a hole inside of himself of feeling like he's not enough. And we know, and many of our audience and wonders probably know, that that doesn't really work because probably most of us have tried it. That we can try <laughs> to fill that hole inside of us of not being enough with a role or a title or some amount of money. It just usually doesn't fulfill. But of course, Hamilton in his story are cast to learn that. And like you said, Washington is trying to teach him that. He's trying to teach him that with the Charles Lee situation. That's where Hamilton learns not to take his shot in a duel. Because Washington's like, dude, what are you doing? You, you think you're defending my name? It's like, I don't want you to defend my name. He's like, let them slander me. I don't care. <laughs> I, I'm not about making my name great. Right. So I'm perfectly cool with the way that things go down. And I can handle it myself if I need to. Yeah. So let's talk about Washington's view on legacy once again, you know, and this is, uh, you know, it's it's beautifully dramatized here. But also this actually happened. The person who could have gotten himself elected the king of the United States didn't. Right? He's like, yeah, now I, I had two terms. I think somebody else is going to take it next. Right. You know, and if you elect <laughs> if you like John Adams, well, I guess that's up to you. Right. But so, yeah, talk to me about this moment where we've got Washington. What's his viewpoint on his legacy? What's his viewpoint on stepping down and not running for president another term. Yeah, so we get the one last time moment where Washington's going home and he does, he once again flips the script in a Washington sort of way. Everybody's like expecting him to run again, expecting him to be the fearless leader. And he's like, but this isn't sustainable. I can't be the fearless leader forever or you'll become reliant on me. And so Hamilton is totally misunderstanding the situation when he's having his conversation with Washington. And he's like, oh, yeah, like Jefferson. Great. Like once again, actually, he's, he still doesn't understand the lesson because he's like, oh, let's go after Jefferson. <laughs> he's letting us down once again. We should go after him. And Washington's like, no, you know, let him try to take my position. That's OK. That'll be all right. We will. This country will progress one way or another, not because of one individual leader, but because of the values that we have instilled, the spirit of the people. That is what will allow us to proceed forward. And in no small part because of the systems that we're working on right now that are going to help us to be that platform underneath of us. That's the legacy. The legacy is the platform that we're building and the spirit and mindset, the culture of the people that will carry things forward. And Washington just doesn't care about his own name. He really yeah, doesn't yeah, seem to. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't want it to be the United States of George Washington, right? And so he sees, you know, and I'm sure he's tired at this point and would like to go, you know, hang out at Mount Vernon with his wife. But 
he sees that the most powerful thing he could do to establish the kind of country that he's trying to create is to step down and demonstrate to the country and to the world that you can change leaders and it's okay. Like that the whole point is that you bring in somebody with new ideas and they get the chance to adjust course a little bit, right? Is that if you if you don't have a monarchy, if you don't have locked into just one system, if your system can continue to evolve with the will of the people, then maybe it's sustainable. Like maybe then maybe it stays a little bit more nimble. It stays a little bit more equitable, right? People have to sustain the system. Exactly like you said, Washington sees himself as the servant of the people. And that is a stark, stark difference at this point in history to just about any other leader that has ever lived. Right. This right? is this is this is as much of a revolutionary moment as Yorktown, right? Is the is Washington stepping down? We're gonna have another election and I'm not even gonna run, and you're gonna have to pick somebody else, and they're gonna have to figure this stuff out. And part of the reason that he can do that is because his character is intact. He's able to go home and be happy. He doesn't have a hole to fill inside himself that needs to be filled up with the title. Mm, yeah, he doesn't care about the title. And that's what he's teaching Hamilton. And Hamilton, honestly, it takes him a lot of time, really even a lot of losses by the end of it, before he comes to understand that it was never about the title. But it's just this chip that's inside of him that is driving him this whole time. And he doesn't know how he's going to continue to exist without it, I think, is probably part of it, right? Yeah, well, and he's, you know, yeah, it's just kind of his his habit pattern. But also he's kind of trapped himself in this in this race, like where he's always running at the next big thing and he's always trying to defend his reputation. So so the the tragedy that happens, right, is his son gets involved in a duel trying to defend his dad's reputation, which is clearly a thing that he would have done, right? <laughs> and so and what he literally he, did with yes. Washington. <laughs> right. So he's at this point, he has enough wisdom. He's a, he's absorbed the throwing away your shot wisdom of like, you don't have to kill everybody, right? He's had the he's had the compromise with Jefferson. He's figured out how to live within the cabinet and within the within the government. And so he counsels his son, like, you know, you can keep your honor by just showing up, but then put your pistol in the air and, you know, throw away your shot. So he's, he's got that lesson that you shouldn't necessarily just run at the opportunity. You shouldn't necessarily just be angry. But it takes actually his son being killed to protect his legacy for him to realize that that's not really what it's about. For him to be able to just go walk around in the garden and listen to the quiet city and walk the children to school. Like he's not able to do that until he's until he's lost the opportunity to do that with one of the most important people in his life. This is a dramatic version of it. Right. But how many people how many of us have done that? How many of us have been so focused on the thing at work, on the project, on the deadline, on the mm. I've got to make more money on the promotion that we didn't come home and have dinner with our families? <laughs> that We didn't call our moms and see how they were doing. Right. That's a real failure mode. Right. And hopefully we can learn that lesson without having to suddenly have that taken away from us and then have to like, oh, wait, I should have been paying attention. Right. So he has to learn the lesson of the legacy wasn't his name. The legacy was he had an actual child that he wasn't paying attention to because he was so busy building his legacy of his name and so busy building the legacy of this structure in the society. So he finally maybe kind of digests that. Well, I think it takes losing his son, Philip, for him, too, because I know at this point in time, maybe the firstborn son is not as important. I'm not getting into U.S. history here. It still would be important, though. Absolutely. Like the firstborn yeah. son a couple hundred years ago was still quite important. So 
him losing his firstborn son, which is the one who essentially carries on his family name, is critical. That moment there is humbling for him to realize that he can't just keep taking these shots. He can't just keep winning every... You can't run as pure as he's been running on luck here or on skill whatever it might be eventually in the world that we live in you're gonna get humbled and he gets he gets humbled by losing his son and he gets humbled by his own mistakes in terms of not becoming president because he had the ability to become president up until the point where he foils that one for himself with the affair that he has where now he has no chance of ever becoming president He realizes that he's done this to himself and all of his dreams of becoming the leader of this people for good reasons. Again, we're not saying they weren't for good reasons, but of making Alexander Hamilton great all evaporate all at once. He loses his firstborn. He loses his his chance to become president. Yeah, that passion for building his legacy leads him down some bad paths. Right. And that's and, you know, and not even just having the affair is bad enough but then like publishing all the details about it so that everybody can know that he wasn't you know uh financially <laughs> defrauding the government was like okay did you just win there dude because that didn't seem like a victory to me <laughs> like you know he was so focused on protecting his name that he destroyed his marriage okay great and you know and then his son was so focused on protecting his name that his son was killed in a duel so those are those are really hard ways to learn that lesson right but especially for somebody that has actually already been successful, whose legacy is already enshrined in the structure of the government in the structure of the capitalism that would take over the Western world. Right. So let's, let's talk about our mountaintop moment. Finally, where does he land on legacy? What is his, what is his viewpoint? Yeah. Luckily we get something quite explicit here as we wind up to the mountaintop, we get this, this speech or poem that Hamilton gives at the end here, where he is crystallizing his view on legacy. This is during the duel, after everything freezes in his duel with Burr right at the end. Like we keep saying this entire time, he is struggling with this idea of what is the good life. He keeps being drawn back to the idea that it is to remove this chip in his core and prove everybody wrong, that that would be the good life is to prove everybody wrong. And the way I'm going to do it is by making my name great. But due to these humbling experiences, due to the great leadership that he has in his life from his anchors in Washington and Eliza, He comes to understand that's not what it was about. And this speech is him finally telling the audience, I think I might understand that legacy is not about me anymore. And we get this great lead up to the dueling scene throughout the whole movie, right? The whole movie over and over again. Everybody, the one thing that you might know going into this, if you knew nothing else about Alexander Hamilton, is that he dies in a duel at Aaron Burr because that gets taught in history class. So you kind of do know the ending going into this, or at least I did. And it's being foreshadowed throughout all of these different dueling scenes, taking your shot, all of the metaphors that are being laid out for us. He has the moment with Eliza beforehand back at home where he's staying up all night. And she's like, what are you doing? Like, just come to bed. And he doesn't have the heart to tell her. But what that tells me as the audience member is he knows what's going to happen. He knows Burr's moral compass is flawed. And there's no way that Burr is not going to take this shot. But he also knows that he himself has come to understand that it's not about him anymore. And the only way to proceed forward is to go into this duel. And so, all right, that leads us up to our mountaintop moment where we get this poem from Hamilton where he says, legacy, what is legacy? It's planting seeds in a garden you never get to see. I wrote some notes at the beginning of a song someone will sing for me. America, you great unfinished symphony, you sent for me. 
You let me make a difference. A place where even orphan immigrants can leave their fingerprints and rise up. I'm running out of time. I'm running and my time is up. Wise up. Eyes up. I catch a glimpse of the other side. Lawrence leads a soldier's chorus on the other side. My son is on the other side. He's with my mother on the other side. Washington is watching from the other side. Teach me how to say goodbye. Rise up. Rise up. Rise up. Eliza. And that's kind of the ending of Hamilton. Yeah. And like you said, this moment, Burr is in this duel because he's all about his legacy, right? Because he's, he's, he didn't get to be president and he's been smeared in the press and he's just, you know, he can't get over it. And Hamilton in this duel is in this duel because he won't not say what he thinks, right? Even at this point in his life, even when he's learned some of the wisdom, he says what he thinks and he says what he thinks needs to be said. He thinks Burr would be a ter- would be bad for the country as a president. And so he says that and his influence makes it makes it happen. So he's in this duel because because of his character, because he fought for a principle, because he spoke about a principle and because he wasn't willing to back down. But he throws away his shot in the duel because of his character, because he's finally understanding that the legacy is not about his name. Legacy is the planting seeds in the garden that you never get to see. Right. I love that line. That's it right there. And Washington knew this all along. Washington knew it was never about it being his garden or being a rose with his name on it. Right? He, he knew that it was just planting the seeds and then being aware that you weren't going to be there when they flower. That understanding right there, like you said, I can't put my finger on what book that I found that exact metaphor in. But when I came to understand that and when I came to apply that to recognize, like you said, that legacy is planting seeds in a garden you never get to see. And I've had people kind of iterate on that, right? Like you might plant the seed, you might be watering the seed and you might never get to see the fruit. That's okay. That is acceptable. We must find joy in the planting and watering of the seeds, not in the getting to experience the fruit every single time. And that's the joy tie in here for me between joy and legacy is we can have joy due to us taking an action that is planting or watering a seed in somebody else's life, not from getting some nice feedback like, oh, yeah, the person I was mentoring got promoted or the person I was mentoring finally got past that constraint in their life that was holding them back. Or the, you know, the homeless person that I was working with finally got past that addiction or something like that. Somebody got a job, somebody got a housing, whatever. You get to see some of those moments in your life. But isn't it just as good, honestly, when someone else gets to experience the fruit that you got to plant, you got to water, and you just never got to see it? And that it's crazy, but it's like we can find joy in knowing that that person got to have that experience and that others got to witness it. Well, and that's the that's kind of these ripple effects, right? The the impact that a magnanimous leader has on the people around them extends to things that they don't directly do and things that they don't directly see. And so the people in my life that have had good character and treated me well or helped me out, even when I didn't understand why they were doing it, like I'm continuing to behave in new ways. I'm continuing to have influence on the world because of their influence on me. And they don't you know, they they may never see those things. They may never know those things. But they were joyful when they were doing it anyway, right? Because they had this purpose in mind. They had the, you know, the intention to just, you know, put that energy into the world, to put that behavior into the world. And then you're in a world that has more of that in it. And so, yeah, I think when we when we talk about there are accomplishments, there are things that you can pursue. There are there's purpose, there's goals, there's being able to see bigger picture. But then legacy is kind of a next concentric circle outside of that. And that's the piece that you really don't get control over. And it's really, once again, not about you. So I have to ask you this because this is eaten away at me since I've watched this movie. 
And you started to allude to it, but why does Hamilton have to sacrifice himself there at the end? What is it about his story where he chooses to go to this duel with Burr, even though he knows he's not going to take his shot and he suspects that Burr will? Yeah, it's a good question, right? I mean, it's a it's a it's a storybook tragic ending, except that it actually happened. And what we know of his character is it's it's kind of consistent, right? At this point in his life, he has always been principle driven and he has always spoken his mind. And this is a thing that he continues to do right up until the point where it gets him into a duel. But he has learned the lesson of I'm not a revolutionary anymore. I'm trying to create the better future from within this world. And shooting at each other isn't the correct way to do that. Taking your shots, trying to win every interaction is not the right way to do that. And so he escalates this to a certain point, like he keeps writing more and more inflammatory letters. He like won't back down, but he also he understands that this dispute is not at that level. He's not willing to be a person who will kill over this war of words. And so those two realizations in his personality, those two you know driving forces of I understand the society I want to live in, the code that I need to live by. And also I have to say what I mean. Those two things put him in, but this is his only choice. He has to show up at this duel and he can't take the shot. Mm, that's good. And I think we get a little bit of a glimpse into it with a change in his character where he finally comes to the realization. This is his limit break, right? He gets yeah. the realization that it's not about his name anymore. And you you even get the small moment in the musical where they're like, oh, where Hamilton's like, oh, I finally like talks to God now. It's like, well, what does that say about him? He stopped being focused on himself now. He realized that this isn't about him. Before, he had been all about his own pride, even though it was he, what he was trying to do was to help other people. So he, he gets humbled. He comes to this moment where ah, it's not about me. And then I would say he recognizes the suffering servant archetype of a leader. And he sees the suffering servant archetype of a leader in Washington. He sees it in other people. And he's like, right. oh, maybe leaving a legacy, for me at least, isn't going to be about becoming president. It's going to be being the suffering servant and showing people what character looks like and what it looks like to live the good life. And there's a little bit of atonement going on here, too, because of the wrongs that he had in his past that he probably feels like he needs to, like, salvage his character yeah. in his final moments. But at the same time, he almost extinguishes his personal legacy as well, because if he had lived on for another 30 years or whatever, he could have continued to be a bigger and bigger influence and be a bigger name in the American history textbooks and stuff like that. He humbles himself and chooses the path of not doing that. Right. Well, and, and it's an impossible situation, right? If your choices are to die or to kill the sitting vice president in a pistol duel, like neither of those leads to your name becoming better. <laughs> so, but yeah, but he's been fortunate that he's been surrounded by people of of intact character of those servant leaders, right? Even going all the way back to the in the first act, right? Angelica, you know, is really attracted to Hamilton. She would be perfectly happy to be married to Alexander, but she sees the bigger picture. She has to take care of her family. You know, she has to marry well, and she sees she's taking care of Eliza's happiness, and she sees that that's what Alexander needs. You know, she's making decisions on behalf of others. Very early on, he sees that. He's got that element in his life. He's got Eliza. He's got Washington. So he's kind of going through his life. He sees these examples, and he learns the lessons kind of very slowly from them. He's got all the firepower. He's got all the, you know, the mental horsepower and the passion to do things. But this is maybe at the very end, we see that his, despite his combativeness in print, 
his character is finally intact enough to know what the really correct action is to take. Yeah, and I mean, it gets, like you said, layered on. We can't take Eliza out of the second act when we get the moment of forgiveness for Hamilton. Again, these are people showing him what does it mean to live the good life. For him, for so long, he thought it was one thing. And he's learning, if I live the good life, if I live for others, then I can leave a legacy. And it might not mean my name is going to be up in lights. But it means that people will be better off for the fact that I've lived. Yeah. And it, like you said, it, it it turned out that, you know, he was we see a little montage where where Eliza does spend a lot of times trying to build the legacy of his name, trying to make sure that people remember what he did and write, you know, write down his accomplishments. You know, of course, the musical is named after him. It's not a musical about the Treasury or the Revolution. It's a musical about Alexander Hamilton. But really, the impact that he's had on the world is much bigger than that, right? The the entire financial system of our government and much of the the structure that he and the other founding fathers built of a system that itself has built into it change and adaptation and empowering new people. That's still with us, right? That's the legacy, right? And the name is kind of a is kind of a bonus, like oh yeah, that that person was really influential there too, and that person learned a lot of hard lessons along the way, and had extraordinary characteristics and terrible characteristics and made some good and bad decisions is a really compelling story, all the more compelling because it's largely true. Again, these are people that actually did these things. And that's what this musical is trying to show. And that's why it's called Hamilton, because every other founding father story gets told. Every other founding father gets to grow old, except Hamilton up until this point. And so it was the goal not to, again, hold in reverence Hamilton, but to tell the story of Hamilton so that his legacy can continue to grow even beyond the systems and stuff like that, so that we can sit here. What are we doing right here, Brian, except continuing to learn and to grow via the legacy that was left by Washington, Hamilton, et cetera? Right. And this is a this is a great place, you know, for for Wonder Tour after 99 episodes of talking about leadership lessons from fabulous stories. This is a fabulous story that actually happened that we take for granted what the individual humans had to do to make it happen. We take for granted the way that these things came about. And so it's a really good way to examine that. So let's so let's let's get those lessons. So what are what are your takeaways here from this second act from the playbook of building a sustainable organization, the playbook of kind of getting your character intact for your legacy? So number one, we talked about for a while was when should we take our shot and when should we throw away our shot? And of course, with anything, this requires wisdom. But we did say that maybe we should probably throw away our shot when you're taking aim at somebody who's trying to move the same or similar direction to what you're trying to move, who's within your organization, within your system, whatever. Maybe we shouldn't fight people. You know, maybe if we're mad at the world and the way that things are currently existing, we shouldn't be mad at our neighbor. We should try to figure out how to, like we said in part one, fight for instead of fighting against. And that comes with a, you know, it comes with the synergy. It comes with a win-win, right? Look for the, the the opportunities where both of you can get something rather than shooting at each other. When to throw away your shot is when you're shooting at somebody that should be on your side. That's a good lesson to learn. What else do you get? So the second thing that we talked about was that with Washington, he taught us that we need to build something that the people are empowered to sustain. By stepping down, by imposing a two-term limit on himself, Washington changed the course of leadership globally, eventually, really. Not that he was the only one who did things like this, but this is the one of the first big examples of somebody actually giving up power 
when there had been thousands and thousands of rulers before him who ruled nations and virtually nobody ever gave it up before. Everybody tried to pass it down to the next generation. Washington does something different. Why? Because he believes in the people, even when, like you said, even when the person you're passing it off to might not be as good as you. Right. This is another flavor of our limit break sacrifice, right? You know, is that Washington sacrifices himself and his leadership role on the altar of everybody learning that you can just hand it off to a new generation and they can have their own ideas. So that's a big one. Yeah, for sure. And then, of course, that feeds into the the other big thing we talked about, which is the idea of legacy and about how legacy can be perceived as your name on the corner office or on the outside of the building or on the patent or whatever. But the magnanimous leader flavor of legacy is the planting seeds in a garden you don't ever get to see, right? Is that trying to build an organization, trying to influence the people around you so that they can be successful even when you're not there guiding them so that they can build the world in the image that they can see and then pass it on again. Yeah, that one, that's the gift that keeps on giving, truly. But to come to actual terms with that, I think that takes a lifetime to really come to know what it means to plant seeds in a garden you don't get to see and to become more and more okay with making the little sacrifice every time, knowing that there's not going to be this hit of dopamine afterwards necessarily. Yeah, it's good stuff. So thinking about the thinking about legacy Again, it all comes back to it's not about you, right? And this is, and again, as we as we often, the line we always close with, right? You know, character is destiny. We see that play out in this over and over again, but Hamilton's character leads him to his inevitable end, right? But also leads him to his inevitable legacy. And Washington's character leads him and many of the rest of us to the legacy that he left behind, right, is the destiny of I'm going to establish this pattern and this pattern is going to recur throughout, down through history, and it will have this tremendous ripple effect. And I think we have, you know, most of us don't have those momentous level of decisions to make on a daily basis. But just thinking about that, what is this decision that's facing me? What what does that demonstrate? What do people observing me learn from watching me do this? That's good. There were so many good takeaways here. What a wonderful musical and film. I mean, yes, fabulous this was, way to this cap was, it off. Yeah, perfect way to cap off 99 episodes and go into a celebration, recap, integration, whatever we want to call Wonder Tour 100. Yes, next episode, episode 100, we're going to do a special one, of course. We're going to bring Derek back. We're going to talk through, um, and it'll probably be a little bit different structure than we usually do. We're not going to pick one property, but we're going to have a review of a lot of the lessons we've learned and a lot of the best stories and best kind of archetypes we've seen. And we're going to talk a little bit about what is the next phase of Wonder Tour look like from episode 101 onwards. We've got some ideas about how to refresh the formula a little bit and maybe carry things forward in the spirit of continuing to invest in our futures. So we're really looking forward to that. It's going to be a fun conversation. We hope you join us next time, and we hope you had a great time sitting through this one with us. Everyone have a great week. Thanks for joining us. And just remember, as always, character is destiny. <laughs>